You're listening to a Rare Drop podcast. Check us out at raredrop.co. Hello, everyone. I know you've been waiting for a very long time to be involved with all of the amazing things that we're doing at Rare Drop, and now is the time. We are introducing the Rare Drop Patreon, so if you've ever wanted to get involved with experimental content or being at any of our podcasts early to listen in, well, all of that is available in the new Rare Drop Patreon. Check it out. Well, hello there, and welcome to the Broman Podcast, episode 125. But before we get the show on the road, I wanted to give a special shout-out to all of the wonderful cats and kittens that make this podcast happen every week on Patreon. Shout-outs to James Yo, Justin McMahon, Legendary Ladman, Matt LaRue, Steve Pear, Jedi Chappie, Experimental Gameplay, Aether Mana, Paul Marzik, PT Club, Jack DeVille, Steamboat, Respect K's, Notorious P.I.P., Philip Schneider, Snyder, ooh, and Wow Dad 01. Thank you so much for supporting the Rare Drop Patreon, and thank you even more for being the classiest motherfuckers on the damn planet. Enjoy your show. Hi, everybody. What's up? And welcome to Broman Podcast, episode 125, featuring Captain Robear. Let's go. (laughs) (laughs) Captain Robear. Uh, Captain Robert has actually been, been around, uh, for a long time, uh, as far as, <laughs> as far as being around on the, on the, the podcast and, and all the other stuff, um, uh, and, and, uh, doing the D and D DMing <laughs> and all sorts of like, basically it's hard for me to describe because Captain Robert's like popped in and out of direct contact with me multiple times. <laughs> Um, including like the first ever sweat con, which he sent me pictures of. Um, so, th- so that's my, that's my awful introduction to Captain Robert. Captain Robert, please introduce yourself, uh, to everybody. <laughs> Say what's going on, bro, man, fam. It is good to see everyone. So you, uh, you've probably seen me lurking around the lobbies of GCX. I'm hard to miss. I'm as wide as a, uh, a, a lineman, and you spot the hat and the hair from a mile away. So you, you probably got glimpses. I've been around in the community since the OG days. Uh, literally, my origin story, I have been in the bar business for 14 years so i started playing destiny as a way of stress relieving after uh, you know after getting done with service and it went from literally the bungee app uh finding like people that were in you know during that time to play with to twitch to watching uh you know the start of that directory and all these lovely people to come from it and we got this cool little family and synergy going on. And, you know, the rest is history. We find out about SweatCon. It's right up my alley. Oh, we're just going to go to a bar? Just this a bar? A just going to hang out at a bar? I know how to do that. Uh, this is perfect. <laughs> um, so, so I have, I, have a, I, have, um, I have a question for you. Uh, we, we share a common locale of growing up. Um, yes, we do. so, so uh, everybody knows I'm from, you know, St. Louis, 
Um, whereabouts are, are you around? And then I would like to reminisce about the Midwest for a moment <laughs> and really throw everybody off right here at the beginning. I am from Cabo Gerardo. I am from right south of San Cabo Gerardo. Is that an, is that new slang? Because I had not In heard that one door. before. <laughs> All of the above. Yeah. So I, I, I live in the college town uh, right south of St. Louis. So I'm right in between St. Louis and Memphis uh, near the boot heel of Missouri. So we know all of the mutual horrible and some awesome things of the area. <laughs> I am. Um, I'm uh, my favorite. My favorite part about being from around St. Louis is that um <laughs> Oh, is that question. everybody just everybody is still not the, not the high school question, oh, but no. everybody, um, you know, everybody likes to act like St. Louis isn't dangerous. Um, but then like but then this it's like the most unknown fact because everyone's like, oh, yeah, Chicago with the violence. And it's like, no, uh, everybody in St. Louis knows that just like with the Cubs, we compete for that title. Um, and 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 it's, you know, it's. It's not the safest place in the universe, at least when I was growing up. Um, and Parking uh, is an adventure. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, like St. Louis, <laughs> Louis is shady, but I love it. Uh, yeah, East St. Louis, North St. Louis, South St. Louis, St. Louis overall. I mean, every every part of St. Louis has like the different pockets. Where you're like, ah, yes, that's where the biker gangs live. <laughs> and it's like all on one. It's so fucking weird. And it's weird because you know that, but no one's told you. Like that's you're like, oh, that's the street where the biker they that's like where they dump the mafia bodies. <laughs> you know, what? And of all things, I have felt safer in in East St. Louis when I've gone to all sorts of hard rock and metal shows than some of the places around Bush Stadium. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Lots of good times there, though. So, you know, for me, I lived in the rural town uh, that's just south. We're the backup school for for folks that don't get into Mizzou yes. or anything else better. So we've kind of become the dump off zone for, you know, a lot of vagrant heads <laughs> and, and, and those folks end up usually becoming my friend uh <laughs> oh my god uh so so um so one of the things i like to talk about now that we've gotten that out of the way uh and uh shout outs to anybody from the midwest and everyone else uh thanks for listening to the podcast we'll catch you next time um uh, because i'm sure you're already gone um so here's the here's what i like to do with all these when we start what got you started on this this journey of, you know, doing kind of D&D and becoming like a full time DM? Um, how yeah, does so content, creation content creation hook into that? Like the whole story. I'm super interested. Yeah. So how do you get into content creation? I'm sitting back. Um, you know, I kind of got to live the Van Wilder life. I pretty much pretty much went to college for fun and enjoyed it. I opened up a bar midway through literally on my 21st birthday and i was enjoying life and loving living in a college town i enjoyed making my hometown better that was a big point of pride for me that was yeah. something that i always wanted to do i wanted to become a business owner i grew up in a family that 
uh, had a business since they they immigrated from Germany, and that's a big deal for me. And uh, you know, I always wanted to have my own, and that was kind of my life. But slowly over time, uh, like all businesses, there was a giant liability, the gorilla in the room yeah. that. I'm spending a lot of time in a very particular locale. So all you can think of bars as in-person communities because yeah. that's exactly what they that's are. exactly what they are. They have no difference from what I'm doing right now. It is just in-person and it's not scalable. So the more money you want to make, the harder it is. It is truly a labor of love business. So when I started content creation, the thought in my mind was I should have something on the perimeter that uses my skills that is scalable in case something happens. And I will not lie. I did not guess pandemic was how I was going to get here. <laughs> we have the new Madrid fault line. Yeah. And oh, yeah. <laughs> I am not a worry body. Oh, my God. No, I just I just like, OK, like just to take a step back. Like everybody who lives in Missouri, like there's this there's this fear in the back of your head because everyone's like San Andreas fault. And then anytime you talk about that in the Midwest, it's like your uncle from across the room goes, hey, did you know that there's a fault line in the Midwest? It's 10 times that size. And if it opens up, we're all dead. <laughs> and so like, yeah, like you think that the, it rips, it's going to liquefy the sand around the river like this is and guess what i don't live in an area that gets rebuilt <laughs> like this becomes farmland so it, it creates this conversation what do i do if something does happen like i've spent half my life on this at that point uh, I should have something to rely on just in case that's fun and a hobby, but maybe I could pivot. <laughs> Pandemic. So all of this, I've become a community member. I play Destiny. I have similar origins. It was the community game that felt that strong to me since World of Warcraft, that it involved making relationships with other people before going out and playing the content. So I just became ingrained with it. And because of your podcast, there are tons of them in here, Mudcat and several others. We all went over to Mixer when mm. we started doing this hobby because of the initial conversations of I It was very promising. I feel I always feel bad when somebody says this no. to me. No, because it was the best thing ever. If mm. you weren't prepared for it to shut down, you were lying to yourself. Because <laughs> you could clearly see with any acumen what was transpiring. You were just unfortunately, lying to yeah. After but it was a great place. We started when Sea of Thieves, so yeah. I stopped. I was like, okay, what am I doing? Playing, sitting here and playing uh, Destiny right now. There's plenty of good people to go and watch. I still love the game, but let's do this later. Let's play Sea of Thieves when it comes out and let's let's flip some eyeballs and take it seriously. So we did, I played it for a month and a half. I got my first pile and I was able to take that pile and then move over and be on top of the Destiny directory and play that when I wanted. So I took that into partnership and was able to play Destiny, still playing one night a week with D&D &D and yeah. highlighting it, continually flipping the pile and growing it as it went making that business move until we got to the spot where we could run 24 seven 
with D&D. We added a second show. That's where it really blossomed between my friends, Radio Mang and Mudcat and Caustic Phoenix. And we started our first really good content creator first D&D show where there's some serious talent on all sides and we're bringing our a game each time and it showed in our community blossomed before you know it whoa we're this force to be reckoned with of dnd that is on mixer and because of that highlight being the big fish in the small pond it gave me this massive advantage going around that i was bigger than what i really was and this culminated in one of the GCXs. We're literally inside Buffalo Wild Wings in a very interesting meeting between Mixer folk that are there with the rest of y'all. And uh, there was some, some uh, now that it's all disparted, there was some head hunting going on. There's some business talk. Mixer folks that I'm friends with offering contracts, bartering back and forth. But because we were there on the Mixer side, we got to act and be bigger than ourselves and hang out in these specific rooms. And since I was already within GCX, it was, oh, okay, hey, that's the captain. That's cool. It's, it's a point of order. Yeah, this is fine. So that really gave me a jump start into meeting so many people and i'll be honest if it weren't for for nelstar who i met at sweatcon number mm. one when we became best friends because of the the little meetup just the tiny little spot that you made you know, we hung out the whole next day we called it you know sweatcon day two where we just went around tampa and just drank in sprint malls oh god <laughs> <laughs> it was awesome but that he he became a force. He went from a software job at that point into the industry. And though all those connections I fell into and became started knowing people in the industry and it spiraled out. I've always had the intention <laughs> since we first went into the basement of my bar that I wanted to stream D and D at some point in time, like critical role, because yeah. I loved it. It caught my attention when I was in the back of the bar doing paperwork one day and i was like dnd this is going to be a train wreck i hadn't played since boy scouts far removed from that forum of storytelling and it just captured me the minute that i clicked on it didn't get payroll done people were so pissed the kitchen threw pots and pans and cussed out the door because i was late doing everything uh -huh. I had to drive and put it in everybody's mailbox but i specifically remember that night going you know what I think that would be really cool to do, even if mm. it's just for a hobby. But you know what? I'm going to set my sights just like I do in any business. I would love to be here someday. So let's start. So I started from day one. We hit a group in the basement of my tavern, which I always thought that was going to be the place. Because in my mind, I was never going to leave the bar business. That was yeah. always going to be a piece of me. So the site was always here. The journey to get where we're at, very interesting. <laughs> that's that's such a like you have such a crazy story and what i love what i love about all of that uh is that it, so much of it happened because you you made connections and it was just kind of like saying yes to what you wanted all along the way if that makes sense like you said like yeah. oh I, I could only do like one day of D D a week but you still did it you and you may yeah. yeah you still you still did it it wasn't like i'm not doing this until i want it all or i want nothing like you you said yes to what you could at the time and i think there's like such a good lesson in that 
Um, something for me, especially something that like I have had to sort of relearn. And I think that that's like, um, learning how to make a decision to say yes to what you need, even when maybe you can't say yes to all of it. Like maybe you want an hour a day to yourself to work out, but you don't have that, but you can get 10 minutes. So you go, you know, crank off a whole bunch of pushups and air squats. Like it's still a way to say yes to yourself. And I was kind of raised in this all or nothing environment. So whenever I hear people sit, tell stories like that, that thing sticks out like, like, I'm the kind of person that understands <laughs> this, and it took you forever, Ben. And, like, um, so I just, I really, I really appreciate, yeah, uh, like, your openness about how it sort of just evolved, as you said, yes, going through this, and this it path. Doesn't mean, it doesn't mean you don't feel that way. Yeah, exactly. Course, I'm, gritting, I'm gritting my teeth the entire time going, man, I want more of this. Like, it is a very Midwest thing. You want to be all or nothing. You want to have this laser focus in what you do, but that's not business. And that's not markets. And you, you, you can throw whatever you want up against the wall. It does not matter unless the market wills it to be there and it exists. And it's uh, exactly <laughs> so. So let's let's shift gears for a second. That's how that's how you arrived here for making content. Yeah. And let's go back into the other side of all this, which is Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. How long is your relationship with that game? How how has it been a part of your life? Um, you know, we, we've had a lot of people in here that are like ancillary engaged or like they've maybe done a campaign like once or twice, mm-hmm. but you've been doing it for how long? And like, what has that been like? Like I said, it was Boy Scouts that got me into D&D and magic stuff that you could do when you were in a tent when it was miserable and it rained the whole weekend yeah. in, in the Midwest. And it was just a mud fest. So that's a very different version of D&D when you're a kid. However, it does stimulate a part of your brain that seems to go dormant whenever you start to adult harder all of a sudden (laughs) you put yourself in constraints and you find it very hard to play make-believe because things have to be very rigid and it's time to grow up and so it Mm. leaves my life for a period of time now it's not to say that i'm not getting my fantasy fix i am because as my life arcs as a 36 year old, the content for what I enjoy ramps up exponentially. There's amazing things. There's any kind of comic book movie you would ever want to see. There <laughs> are games that allow you to exist and do the things you always did in, in make believe like World of Warcraft. So the games and the content get so good that I sit there and I passively just consume because I don't need to create. There's just so much. Relearning that, Mm. sitting down because of my love of telling stories and that natural human element that's back behind a bar of sharing your experiences from people all over the world from different walks of life, that reawakens in me when I see that critical role stream again. And it's that moment that is robin williams and hook and i always use this analogy everybody in my community knows it when they realize peter peter it's you and he realizes he's peter pan and that he can fly (laughs) and do whatever he wants that is a reawakening in creating and playing as a kid again and D D is the perfect place to do that so i pick up 
with fifth edition D and D. I guess what is it? Five, almost yeah, almost five years yeah. ago, and I start playing again as a kid and enjoying it and building these worlds and stories. And it scratches this improv itch that's so big for me because the only thing I ever wanted to do other than the bar business was go up to Second City in Chicago because Ooh, every yeah. big kid, every big kid that's ever made somebody else laugh that's from my generation goes, yeah. man, I'd love to be Chris Farley. Yeah, I want to be on man. SNL. I want to be on SNL. So that was always a thought. But I was able to scratch this improv itch that was always only something I got behind the stage, which was the bar with a limited number of seats. But still just as intoxicating, performing for that small amount of people right there is the same feeling as 30,000. It doesn't matter. It scales. It's having that interaction back and forth between people and sharing that moment. And that's what D&D is. And D&D is a show. Oh my God, what is more cathartic? You're going through emotions. You're role-playing with other people. It feels real because it is. You're sharing a universe together and you're going on this adventure. So this feels like actual memories to you. And you have the aspect of the stage and the audience is there and they're on the edge of their seats because they're just as invested as these characters as you are. And you go as one group on your own quest. And that journey is what it's about. It's this going through the process. It's not the beginning, the end. It is all about the character development on the way through. And it's this beautiful thing when it's done right and shared with people that want the same things out of the game. Audience to players. It's so, I really like that. I didn't know any of that improv stuff. Uh, did you do improv? Were you like an improv kid growing up? Zero. 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 I just did it. I just did it in bars. We just did it in small circles, right? Because that's where my life was at. So it was cutting up in bars and having fun and small, going to conventions, doing that. I never done anything like that on stage. There weren't any opportunities where we sure. were. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're right. Like, okay, there would be a comedy club pop up somewhere in the Midwest, and it was like, oh god, <laughs> this is where dreams go to die. Yeah, you know, exactly. It wasn't like the comedy store in LA. This is like comedians that are like, if you, if you don't do this, you might as well walk into the Mississippi River, boy. Yeah, <laughs> no, like, at, yeah, I, I went to an open mic night in St. Louis once, and I was like, this is not the place to hone your craft. Like, this is the place where, like, all the, like, lawyers yeah. and the guys in their office who are like, you should do comedy. And they just, it's just, the, it's the 10 of them that don't get that they shouldn't. And it's just them every week. And then you show up and you're like, this is a mistake. I don't want to see this ghost of, of future Christmas future floating around my face um, because it's tough. But that that idea that that and this is something that I learned from, you know, getting to know you and then watching as you kind of rolled out the first D&D campaigns for us at Rare Drop. Yeah. Um, I was enthralled by the audience connection like i never had considered how invested because it had been a long time since i watched any content at all and i come downstairs uh and amy amy has reckoning hour up on her phone and she's sucked the hell in i'll never forget i'll never forget what was happening because it's the first time i ever 
remember caring about anything in D&D. It was like everybody would like the bad guys just got off across a desert on a fucking camel. And then everybody needed to jump on this camel and you oh, made them roll agility checks to get on the camel. And like yeah. Alex had a critical fail and had his teeth kicked out. And then Paul <laughs> got thrown off like and then like and then they barely caught him in the end or something like that. And I just thought, yeah. Holy shit. Like I cared more. That was like a 45 minute sequence. I was like, I cared more about the conclusion of that than most of the movies that I've ever watched. So, um, so I was just blown. I was just blown away at how having all that play out live felt. Um, and then of course, like we had a great opportunity to, I got to try it out, um, with my brother who did a fantastic job DMing the bizarre adventure campaign, uh, and and then very recently we did our our Christmas Carol special one off. And that was the first time I got to work with you as my DM. And that was and it was all those experiences were so <laughs> incredibly cool. So, like, what drew you from being somebody like me who's like, I have a character and I want to show up and I want to roll the dice. And like, what made you go? Oh, you know, what's more fun than that. Having to do all of the work for everyone else. But tell the story, because to me, as much as I love telling stories, all that extra work, I would be like, no, I'm uh, I'm good. (laughs) See, I can have my I can have my cake and eat it, too. Mm. Like for for me, I very rarely ever play. I don't have an itch to play because I play with my players. I can check myself and remove myself from having what would be a normal player's enjoyment Mm. of the spotlight within D&D and enjoy being there. I want to be there for the RP, the interaction. I want to go through it with them, but I don't need to make the leading decision. I am a hospitality manager by heart, so I live in Reactionaryville. And I'm a natural support player because I enjoy my friends having more fun. So my own personality and DNA slots into being this Uber PC, which what we call in the D&D world, which kind of gets a bad name, is DM PC. And so I run this character within the group and I get to experience their world, their interactions, and I can also foster because they're my boots on the ground. I can help balance my mistakes. I can help influence and lead things a certain direction when it needs it to and nudge this way and that way. It becomes my chess piece that's out there, but I get just as enthralled in. And before Mm. I know it, I'm influencing the decision that makes a lot of more work for me. (laughs) But I enjoy that because I'm a creator and I want to run. That's a big calling card of my style D&D is playing that soundtrack building those scenes i want to see those people's reaction i'm a creator it's my own narcissistic desire to create this stage Mm. it it's that piece of ego that's there and it gets massaged and that's a good place for ego it gets a bad rap a lot of times but that's where that needs to be and it's a wonderful, wonderful spot to be able to create something that other people enjoy. So I just don't have the desires that other DMs go that, man, I want to, I want to experience something fresh for the first time. But Hmm. also we're doing so much improv. I'm constantly seeing new stuff. Yeah. I don't sit down and create this giant world. I world build at the table and that sets me aside from a lot of, a lot of folks. I work things out there. So I'm just as surprised where we go as others. And that is what keeps it fresh for me. Cause I'm sure if I wrote 
what Matt Mercer did or what Arcadum does, I would be pulling my hair out with where my players took me because I wouldn't be able to keep up with them. Now they do a great job. They do five or six, seven scenarios and they're pointing them this way and that way. I just don't care. We're just gonna go where they go <laughs> and I'm gonna try to create the story around that. So and so what what drove you to decide to be that kind of DM? as opposed to the the other side where where you're less improvisational and more pl I'm assuming I'm assuming the dichotomy is you know full improvisation on one side and then full rigid unmovable structure on the other like what so what it like what's the difference and like how did you end up with whatever your hybridization of those concepts was just dna i know my strength i know who i am i'm i'm being able to read the room and understand who you are and what your strengths are punting on everything else and maximizing on what you're good at and keeping it fun like i'm not there to i'm not there to work my tail off and make it feel <laughs> miserable i'm gonna lean into what i'm good at and I, luckily for myself i just don't care when i make mistakes it doesn't matter to me mm. we'll just we'll just ad lib and we'll fix it and i move on like i don't lose sleep over it there's fans losing sleep over it i'm not it doesn't matter so i i, I like it just moving forward and making mistakes along the way are just a part of the beautiful song that you create and i just lean into it and i started this when i was much further along in my life like uh yeah. you know when you're when you're when you become uh, you start playing D, D in your late 20s into your 30s is a different perspective You've gone through a lot of life. You know a lot more about yourself. It's not like I'm not like I'm having to throw darts to find out what I need to do. I knew what I was good at, and you just kind of start from there. But that doesn't mean like you go back and watch the first episodes. There's tech downgrades. There's all <laughs> sorts of errors in production that you learn along the way and you get better at. You realize, oh man, maybe I shouldn't create the battle of Helm's Deep every uh, time we have an encounter because uh, we can't get through it and share <laughs> the spotlight. You're still, you're, you're polishing the stone over and over. You're learning all the different things that you don't know that you think especially when you're when you're us and every creator has ego when you think i know how to do this you learn and it smooths you out and makes you what you are and makes you better but that's a journey oh yeah well i mean it's definitely it's definitely difficult when you're like all right so i am gonna use this skill and i'm gonna go over here and i'm gonna fucking volley punch this guy in the face <laughs> and then i'll use my disengage to like end up you know 20 feet in the air back there and then they're like <laughs> All right, well, roll to see if your dash works. And then, like, it's a critical fail, and you just fall in front of the guard, and that's the end of your turn. <laughs> like, it feels like real life. Like, uh, like it feels like it feels like that is some really awful shit that could totally happen. And it's the kind of, for me, it's the kind of moments that you would never see in, like, a high fantasy action movie ever. Yeah. But you could be in the middle of the most disengaging for cowards not when you are a monk and that's one of my default actions after i attack so that i don't get punched my evasion is my defense okay okay um <laughs> anime hands um i think right is it like a kitty cat thing i don't know i i don't know i've i've never watched anime um anyway but like you can um but like going for that moment and then having 
in the middle of this fight where like people are landing like perfect headshots with their crossbow, like falling off the side of a roof. And then you have like a wizard that blew everyone else up and you're like, oh my God, it's my turn. And you're like, yes. And then you just fall on your fucking face and you're the comic relief and you have no control over whether or not that happens to you and you just have to deal with it. You're right. It is a great, it's a great way. And this is going to sound nuts. But it's like uh, it's a it's a great way to get you like you said your ego checked in a way that's in an environment that's safe. No one's actually challenging your actual identity yeah. in real life. It's it's all a game. Um, but Super what's cathartic? Yeah. Well, what's funny about that is, um, I've been I've been meditating a lot. I, try, I picked that up about six months ago. But yeah. the whole the whole point of like meditating with the focus of like uh, you know equanimity which is just letting things be right um is is just that like i had this grandiose plan and it failed okay well does that change who you are not really like you know is it going to change some of the options you have in the future sure but like it's all about just like accepting what happens in the present and dnd allows you to do that in this environment and once you start using your brain that way to, you know, you're just constantly pulling yourself back to the mean. Um, yeah. You're going to start doing it in other places, which is, which like that, that trickle out effect that we get when we learn. And then our mind just naturally wants to see if we can apply this random unrelated thing. Cause that's what our, that's what our little, that's what our brains like to do that try and make associations and patterns. So I, I love yeah. that. And this this is like this has been true in my everyday life. I have found that I search for more potential solutions to a problem if I'm unaware of the answer now that I played through one campaign because the first day we or the second first time we went into a dungeon with Sam, we just tried to plow right through it and we kept running into traps. And so yeah. the next week I was like, oh, <laughs> um, Oh, so I should look around for, for all these traps and I should make sure that I'm not going to step on something that's going to summon monsters. And then in real life, I'm like, oh, my God, there's probably a lot of options for a lot of these problems. Um, and I st- and it's, it really started to help me sort of think in a more broad way, which, again, like that's not an expected outcome for D&D but yeah. when but you you put it really well when you get a chance to like live like live in that part of your brain that's just wholly creative where nothing can hurt you and and all this other stuff um you you gain some new abilities in everyday life just by being able to go to that creative childlike place instead of living in adult land all the time air 100%. quotes cuz i'm a, i mean i'm a creative person i'm I have I'll never be an adult. I'll be like 70. You want to see this uh, weird thing? So what what is it? What is your favorite moment that you've had as a DM? Do you have one? There's a lot of moments, but this year in particular with the pandemic, there have been times where we have started to get very emotional about role-playing basic human interaction inside of a tavern. Mm. And there was one time where, man, I just absolutely lost it because it just really, really hit home hard. And we were role-playing inside of a town where 
the bar owner was losing their market. And I didn't realize that I was weaving the story of my life as it was playing out. Wow. And it was very subconscious driving in that way. And it was showing that like, you know, that the, the show is over, but it doesn't mean that you're, uh, you know, it's time to give up. And I, there's been so many moments like that. Tormund's quest in particular, I see the legit out there who's become a part of that campaign. We had these moments with him and our, our other buddy, Tim, that were just so emotional, us gathering around the table in a hunting lodge and sharing a meal. It's been those moments, things we've been deprived of this year that have felt so real. Not being able to share a meal with friends, but being able to do that in RP, I was telling Chef Mike that like that was like that's that's been my saving grace this year. Like mm. it's been like having that this fantasy of what was my life before, my favorite thing to do, break bread with friends. Those have been the most impactful role play moments this year. Things when we've lost people, Mudcats died 50 million times in our campaign, but some reason the dice won't let him die. He's come back over and over again. I remember his 20s, every single one that he's rolled to come back in some way in this game where he just can't be denied. It's created a legend. And the, those those are what stick with me. People love the mechanics and they love vanquishing foes and the bad guys. And it matters when you have meaningful combat because there's consequences. But what you remember are the small moments. I remember the first time that Gale, the legit character, talks about his family and how they forced him to be here as he's a noble in this hunting lodge. He doesn't really want to be here. And the rain is pouring down. I can remember it hitting his force field bubble that's around him. Like I was sitting there watching from afar at the door as I was inside the campaign. Those are the things I remember throughout the year that matter so much. And that increases the bond that you have with that player. Those those small moments we've cried so much this year it's not even very the pandemic has put a pressure cooker on everything so we've been able to work out so much in between all of us because we're all missing a part of each other because of this year and dnd has saved our sanity inside our community so much this year and it's all those little pieces in between that have done it it's the rp mm. and a lot of it's come just straight from the heart and what people were feeling this year it'll be interesting to look back at it years later and go man what a pressure cooker but we got through it um man that that's really um that's really impactful. Uh, I'm I've been I've been uh, you know, I've, I've I always look at, at content creation and, and things like that from the standpoint that, you know, it's really about like providing the show and it's about like it's very outward facing. Um, but everything that you just described is just so like because of the creative nature being in the room, it's it's so much more inward facing as well. It's a chance to like unintentionally tell your own story 
which is something we do with yeah. our actions all the time and why storytelling can be really revealing. Like when somebody writes a story, you're like, oh, I didn't know you thought that way. Right. It's something we always <laughs> say. Um, so so that and then the especially this year when decency was not present when uh when when conflicts were at an all-time high and and when the <laughs> escapism of being at a bar wasn't um available D was available for you know for you and everyone who was playing but like more importantly i want to speak to this the level of investment that it took to make my first character i was like so fucking pissed dude you have no idea i was so mad i was like this is fucking horseshit like I get woo, like woo. I know, like I can pick all the skills and like just give me an out of the box character. But I did it, and I did all the stuff. But it builds investment because, and and that investment is what makes moments like that pay off in such a personal way. Because this isn't if you're doing it if if you're doing it the way I did it at least when you're making a character, they are they are uh, uh, an extension of your psyche. At the moment that you're making them, you are creating them from a place of impulse in that there's moment of, of time. There. So there's there's so you show up there, um, which is why I went with the drunken master monk, because uh, <laughs> I feel like the the bipolarism of that class title fits my my uh, I don't know, the emotional whiplash I give people when they watch stream. Uh, ha, ha, that was really funny. Oh, he's serious now. Oh, am I going to cry? Oh, that was, but it was a joke. Thank God. Ha, ha. Um, but so like, so, but, but I recognize that by playing the character and then looking back, I was like, oh, I learned something about me. So you have, you have these like intimate moments that you can, again, like the audience is participating and you are in a sense of a suspended reality where you can experience like the same sort of therapeutic effects that you would get if you were actually at a bar because of the level of investment and, it's and, real. and because of the amount of buildup of the story and because the relationships that you are building imaginarily between these characters end up being like very valid and meaningful, um, very valid and meaningful um, moments for them, for your character and for the, the people listening. Um, so, so my, my question is you mentioned like in, because of quarantine, a lot of things changed for you. And I think a lot of things changed and restarted for a lot of people. Um, what, so, you know, right now you're, you're DMing all the rare drop campaigns. We've, we have had conversations about like the future of rare drop D and D and, and all sorts of other things. Um, but I would I would love for you to speak a little bit about if there was a moment or like a conversation you had with yourself that you were like, these this is happening to me, like things are not going to go my way with my traditional job. Um, can you talk oh, about I, the I, moment of tr- of making the choice to say I'm going to go all in and, and like what that was like? For you, was it to- going to almost every convention that i could go to that first year partnership with mixer being able to use that for press credentials and meet more people and do that first web all of a sudden i am falling into this sponsorship opportunity with a craft beer company and i'm Mm. like this is awesome this is cool this is that anthony bourdain side of me i'm like this is a great 
time and this is voodoo ranger which my community knows like we've courted this and like this thing is happening and i realized at that point that signing that contract gives away my license i have to make a choice you cannot be on both sides of the sale in the three-tier system that is in the united states if i sign that sponsorship i have to walk away from day-to-day -day operations of something i've built my entire life first flag goes up that i have to make a choice because it's a real deal sponsorship it's not chump change it pays the mortgage and more so it's like this is a great opportunity that's the first moment mm. and i go okay and this is before this is for right before the pandemic okay it's about three months that i have to make a decision by the end of the year pandemic made it very very easy but i had to i had to make it before then and i said okay i guess i'm going to become a landlord and i'm going to step away i made that decision right before it happened pandemic happens at the same time and i go wow mm. do i have good timing yeah first time that's a major deal and i'm like okay i think this is this is the right thing to do i'm going to look for a protege in the bar business that's the first moment big decision between living my life in both worlds mm. post pandemic business owners know ppp loan comes through it's a bridge it's keeping people afloat yeah i have real bar bills for the first time in my life i have never in my business life feared debt because i've always said you know what i work harder I can just, I'll just do it. work I can go it. To the bar. I'll work it. I'll take care of it. Well, you know what? When you don't have a market anymore to take care of it in, it doesn't matter. And the bills and the collectors form don't stop coming. I don't give a fuck. So, mm -mm. so I'm sitting here looking at it and go, I have a crushing wave of debt coming through. Mm -hmm. What am I going to do? I am out. Content creation is still in its infancy. It can support me, but it cannot support the weight of my previous business crashing <sighs> down upon me. And yeah. I have to make the choice. How do I handle this? And I go, there's only one way that I do know, and that is by continuing to work harder. But now that I have to channel it into my, my other venture, because the other market doesn't exist. Right. So that's when I opened up commission games, and commission games saved my life. Wow. And I was scared. Absolutely. I imagine you're scared shitless. Yeah. Because like... of the consequences that were coming. Mm -hmm. But also, all of a sudden, I am now putting that piece of art and very much commoditizing, commoditizing it. Yeah. So it's like, whew, this is a big step here. Because there's a lot of things that flash through my, through my head that like, can people handle this? Can yeah. I handle this? Mm. But I think, and I go, okay, you've done this your whole life in the bar business. You know people. You can foster this. And I wasn't going to let anybody on stream. I said, no way. Uh-uh. Not happening. I said, no, I will commission games. I will keep them separate. This is what I need to do to survive. But I don't want it to interfere with the product I'm putting out because I was too obsessed with putting the best thing out there that I could. Mm. And little did I know the best thing that I could have ever done was get even closer to the community members that were already supporting me. Wow. And give them something that was desirable. Yeah. That they wanted to support. 
and to create and weave stories that not only brought them in and closer to us, but interweave with the stories that we already were going on inside of our universes. And it became this like, now it's a no brainer. I can't even think about not doing it. Yeah. And obviously what moment would you not want to become closer to your community? <laughs> True. It, it was this no brainer and they saved me literally from bankruptcy with it because wow. I was able to offer a product and a service that just doesn't exist. D and D no. at that level and produced and meaningful. No. And I was, I was proud of the product and still am proud of the product that we put out there and the journey that we get to bring them with. And I love what they do for my business. They support my actors. They support me. And that was the biggest move it was the biggest roadblock that I've had, but you know what? In business and in life, there's nothing like the power of broke because there is only man. I like that moving forward. There's nothing like the power. Ain't that the fucking truth, man? Dirt ass Your back broke is against the wall. Yeah, man. I mean, that's like how I started hustle. streaming was the power of broke. Like <laughs> that's a hundred. Like if you want to talk about that, like I yeah. was, you know, when I started. Oh, and uh, ha, yo, uh, it'll be eight years in six days ago. Um, yeah, uh, thanks for having that. Yeah, I just I've missed it every year. So maybe we'll catch it this time. Um, the the you know, I was I I God, I'd, I'd moved back to St. Louis from. Uh, the minimum wage overnight psych hospital job in Tennessee, which was just nuts. Uh, and I was like kind of at a place where I was like, I have to retrain myself like this is I'm sort of in a dead end ish career um, or like a career that I just couldn't see myself doing past 10 years. Like I really did like my job, but I was like, I couldn't do this when I was, you know, 30. I didn't want to be doing it when I was like 35, um, which is how old I'll be next year. Um, so. I, I recognized that back then and I was like, I really just want to, I just want to make content. I was going to start doing dumb shit. And then I was like, <laughs> I, okay, well that was stupid. And, and, uh, that was stupid and dumb. And you need to like, maybe find something that like where you feel like you could plug yourself in where you get traction quickly. So that way you stay interested. Um, yeah. and I looked around and I was like, I don't want to play League of legends. I don't want to play League of legends. Like, I just don't care. And then, like, you know, I finally see these, like, speedrunning marathons. I was like, oh, my God. These guys, all of them just say, like, play whatever your favorite game is as fast as you can. Like, that's their advice. When anyone asks what game should they speedrun, I was like, every single one of them said the same thing. I was like, I'm doing that shit. Uh, so that's when I started streaming. I started streaming Borderlands 2 because it was, like, my favorite game at the time. And speedrun was silly as shit. And, like, why not? Um, and then... Uh, you know, now we're here because I was just broke <laughs> as shit and I was just trying to do like make something happen because I couldn't stop this like creative engine in my head. That's like, you could make your life better if you just try. So I just kept trying. Um, and yeah, the, the power of broke, um, man, dead end jobs suck. <laughs> but nobody tells you when you're, when you're working that your greatest superpower all of a sudden is making people feel things when you're when you're when you're in this business and you have these assets man society's got some great words for what you are 
and not ever trying to prop you up. Oh man, they sure are real street smart. Man, they'll be one heck of a salesman someday. Yeah, yeah. We do a horrible job of tuning in to people that have high EQs that dwell in this business and succeed because we know that this is a people business yeah. and we get to do that on a completely different set of terms and that skill isn't fostered so when we go to work in another job we're slowly dying each day hoping that we have moments of interaction where we can make others feel better or influence situations but you have to pay bills so you just go through and you're always looking for how am i going to creatively get out of this because you're daydreaming and checking out <laughs> it's a brutal huh. place but i want to tell everybody in chat every creator's been there and almost all of chat are there or have come out of it like it's a human yeah. experience for whatever your strengths are you don't have to be what we are to experience that anybody that's misplaced and 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 something that they don't excel at i think well i mean like the th the thing to me is like now now nobody can walk around acting like they never had a bad time before um because everybody that is alive now can be like that guy acts like his shit don't stink, but I bet his ass was crying in his bathroom during 2020 because everybody else, I was, everyone else was, and like, I'm happier than that person is in general, so I know they were, right? Like, so I, I think that it's this, it's this ego reality check that like, even if it was a, a good year, like I, on my end of things, like for, I had a relatively good experience when it came to employment. Like I... Your story, interestingly enough, because Kevin, who's just so good with like keeping up with everybody uh, that he ever meets. And it's like a superpower. Um, you know, he was he was you know, he was telling us like. About things that were happening to you, and it was like your story, I was like, oh, my fucking God, I was like, this is happening well, like that, and then, you know, the guys at King's Coast, like, like Wayne worked in restaurants, and, like, he was yeah. just, like, it was, like, every week, he's, like, this guy's out of business, this guy's out of business, this guy's out of business, this guy's done, this guy had 200 restaurants, done, this guy, like, it's done. insane, just done, like, erased, um, and so I, I, I realized, like, from that side of things, like, it was a, I had a great year, because I got to keep my job, and yeah, um, even though there job. was, even though there was a lot of stress, like, uh, you know, changing my management company and losing a uh, <laughs> losing a large percentage of my income from that. I still like that happened, but it was the same thing. Like, OK, I just have to figure out how to outwork this. Um, you still had a marketplace. Yeah, I still had. A, and it was the thing is, I still had a place to do business. And, and like everyone else, like it provided an opportunity to really refocus on what matters, you know, like we with GCX, like we had to shut that down. Right. And, you know, you know, all of that, like we we've worked together, yeah. you know, around GCX and, and things like that. Like, you know, shutting that down was difficult, you know, stopping any owner pay was difficult, but we got to keep our employees, um, not you know, seeing my family, not seeing family grown from that, the, mm -hmm. the people that some I only get to see. 
because yeah. they have to incorporate that into their vacation structure as they're aging and becoming yeah. adults. That has to be a line item on their budget so they can see the people that they've seen because of this community that you've fostered that spiraled out. Not seeing them for a year. It's going to be- It's been tough. This- this emotional outpouring when we get these chances to reconnect again are going to be so strong. I agree. And so different. And I'm, I'm like, we're all ready for it when it gets here. Yeah. But it's not a light switch and it's a slow trickle, but I'm ready for that trickle. Yeah. It's going to be, it's going to be good. But here, so hearing that, hearing all the stories and knowing that like, even, even with my good year, it was bad. And even like it doesn't yeah. matter where you fall on the spectrum. Nobody remained completely unimpacted. Uh, I know everyone's like everyone's favorite thing to do. And this is how this is how I like to ego check people currently. Everything. Everybody's <laughs> favorite thing to do is like shit on like whoever like you think of like rich person. and You like shit on that person. You're like, yeah, fuck them. But in reality, like it doesn't matter. Like so many people have been affected by the virus. Like. Does it matter how much money is in your bank account if a family member dies? No, it doesn't. You're they still going to be fucking depressed. It doesn't matter. You know, everybody's gone through shit. And I, I, I have learned, I was f- like forced to learn and deal with like a lot of my darker side um, while being trapped. But like understanding that the, the point of compassion is to extend it to absolutely everyone. And the better you are at understanding, you know, what it might feel like to live somewhere else as if you were maybe imagining yourself as a character somewhere um, and understand the world through that perspective, you know, that compassion, understanding that everybody is sad when mom dies. Having the EQ to feel what someone who relies on public transit goes out every day taking the risk that they may come home and inadvertently take the life of their own loved one inside their domicile is something Mm. that took a while for some people to, to get a grasp on. Mm -hmm. And, but eventually they realized it when everything started to hit home. And we had that example here. I was going through my mother with brain cancer for this entire year. And we were like, okay, this is for real because she's bought the extra time to stay on this plane of existence, taking those procedures to be here with us, respect that. And I can remember going through and my close friends going, I can't believe you're not having one last party over at your bar. I can't believe you. Cause man, at, at this point, they had no idea. They were thinking there were people the the disinformation, what was existing, what was going on. I can remember them going and said, your fun doesn't outweigh other people's lives and that didn't get home and tell some point in time later for some folks but i even the even the most resistant i think got a little emotional education this year and figured out like okay yeah you know what i am walking in somebody else's boots because they had a little something taken away there's rare moments in time where we have that where just like you said everybody loses something and it's the only way some people understand I, I mean, like, I, I like, you know me, chat. I make fun of sports ball shit all the time. I love sports, <laughs> but I love making fun of sports fans because they like make fun of video game people. And I think that we can have a healthy rivalry because everybody needs that. So anyway, like, 
even I mean, like when when sports really stopped showing up, like stopped, I I felt that and I was like, I felt it because I was just used to that as the churn of information that was coming at me every day as something I could look at, you know, yeah. as part of like my information. Pro- oh, what can I talk about on stream today? Blah, blah, blah. And like the sports, the sports <laughs> trending thing on Twitter, dude, it would update once every five days with something like so and so's dead. <laughs> Or like or like so and so got coronavirus and now their lungs don't work like and it was just horrific shit. Um, I couldn't imagine I couldn't imagine having that ritual like if video games stopped for four months. That is what happened to fans of sports during the pandemic. Like If every person who listens to this podcast likes video games can imagine like the biggest sports fan in your life, whether or not you fucking love them, you hate them like they they lived their life for months without video games like and weasel coded every day, all day, you know, or or not being able to not being able to go out to movies. Oh, my God. It took Amy and I six months to figure out how to do date night again. Yeah. Oh, that's such a big point of contention now because, uh, like, I I openly say that, like, I'm over the crappy movie experience because I'm, like, Mm. because I live in the Midwest and I don't have Alamo and the cool places to go to. Yeah. Like, I'm so done with Meat Market because it's such a bad business and like customer experience i hope that when they come out of this pandemic that these theaters rock and they're small and they're niche and they care about their consumers because i love going to the movies but i'm tired of lights on during previews and seats not being wiped down like i'm excited for them to like this is a horrible thing they've gone through the crucible but guess what my business is gone too so you get to learn when they yeah. come out of the end because they have the money to do so. Most of them, what exists will be this niche environment. I'm excited to go that to that yeah. again. But we've talked so much about, man, we need to do a prime night again because I'm jonesing for a movie. Mm. Or like when the Tom Hanks Western came out, I was so upset I couldn't share that moment with my father because I'm like, I want to watch a Western with him over the winter and this is great it's tom hanks first western oh well i'm not going to the movie theater i have no option i'm looking up like when is this going to be streamed i just want to go over to his house and watch a movie something so basic because i want to give my dad something to look forward to because he has no clue in this pandemic how to entertain himself whatsoever like until like (laughs) until fishing season came back with crappie it was like these dark days of like what do I do? <laughs> I, and I, I get it. I got exposed as a sports fan so much because I realized that sports without crowds don't matter to me. I'm there mm. for that connection. I'm there for the tailgate. I'm there for the social interaction. I'm there to see fans react to what happens. Somebody winning and losing doesn't matter to me anymore. Mm. I just want to experience those things that are social built into sports. Yeah. Uh, it's about people. Yeah. It's about connecting with people. So, so bring, bring it back around. Cause yeah, this is, I told, I told everybody at the beginning that we were going to talk about Midwest stuff and that's what happened. Cause it's, <laughs> it's really impossible not to, because it's, it's such, it's like, um, if you look at language as data compression, cause that's what it is. 
it is the best data compression we know. If you're another Midwestern person, you just start talking about experiences and it's you're having months of conversations in like three minutes. And it's fucking awesome for anyone that's not from the for, for the Midwest. Everyone else is like, this is fucking nuts. Um, when are they going to talk about where the good pizza is? No, wait, you don't. No, wait. It's the thinnest and the thickest pizza is both in the Midwest. Who decided that was OK? You know, chat. It's a chip on our shoulder that we never get rid of. And every Midwesterner remembers that whenever they've yeah. whenever they've been in a place that they felt that they didn't fit in and somebody pokes at them from being from flyover country. Oh, yeah, exactly. They're not they're not really letting you in on the joke like they actually think less of you yeah you're not worth it yeah 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 you feel that for the first time as a midwesterner you have choices to make you either go aaron Rodgers, super saiyan (laughs) where and you dwell on this over time or it becomes an issue it's a midwestern thing and for me being a little bit further i had this like the upland south like well you're not a true southerner well you're not a true midwesterner oh yeah yeah all of that crap you're just crap and that's like (laughs) you hear it in the vince mcmahon voice in your head you're like you're just crap robert and but it forges Uh, (laughs) you man yeah god you love it later because it's such a motivational thing but it is when you get (laughs) dogged when you turn on the tv you get dogged when you go out in a conversation you're like Give me a break, man. That's why we talk about Midwestern shit. <laughs> yeah. What? So, so what's, um, so to, to like bring it, to bring it back to D and D, um, <laughs> what, what would you recommend somebody do if they, if they are listening to this and they heard, wow, like that Dungeons and Dragons thing sounds like it might be for me. Like, where would you recommend they go and start? First thing you need to do. This is social D&D is a social experience. Ah. This is about this is about finding like-minded folks that want to play the same type of D&D as you. Mm. You can throw you can throw at the wall all you want and get in the wrong D&D groups over and over and over again. You need to find out what you want to play. You need to be honest with that. And sometimes you're going to need to go the route where it's like, "Hey, I just like this person and maybe we need to try playing." Or you go the route of going to forums like Roll20 or hanging out in communities like mine where there's discords where you can meet like-minded folks and you can discuss, man, I'm looking for an RP-heavy campaign that has this kind of combat. Understanding a little bit of the verbiage between that, understanding what you want will change and make all the difference because the ultimate killer of all D&D is people not showing up. Now, you got to show up, yeah. D&D was the worst, dude. People would cancel all the time because they had a bad day at work. It happened, man. People who don't want to show up, they didn't want to get out of their sweats. And especially when I, when I did this in the base of my bar, I found the hard way because some people just didn't want to be seen on a certain day. Mm. And that's something I take for granted. Uh, like, it didn't matter. I live my life in the public. Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden, I was making amends going, hey, I will let you in the back door. We'll go back through this way. No one will ever see you. We'll keep like, and I did. Like, I started like bringing people through the kitchen to mm. go back down and be like, hey, no one will interrupt tonight. None of my friends will come down. Don't worry about it. Just like, hey, you want to wear your PJs and come on down? Happy, happy for you to be there. Mm. Those kind of things in in-person games that would, that would destroy stuff. Online, 
doesn't matter, man. You can roll in. It can be the worst of days. You usually can get the players to reel in because they're in their comfort zone. They're back to maintaining their environment. And there's something about that. Online D&D is special about that. And you're going to get a greater retention rate of people coming to the table. And especially the pandemic, doesn't matter. This is your choice. <clears throat> So you, these are the things. Look for the interpersonal connections. Quit looking for the game. And remember, it starts with one other person. We have all this wonderful D&D that's out there right now. Go over, check out Dragon of Spire. That's the one-on-one -on -one session that D&D has put out. It's done wonderfully. Mm. You can start playing with one other person. Start world building at the table. You just have to start. But if you don't make these interpersonal connections, and I know it's going to be scary for some of you because you're introverts. I know it's easy for me to talk like, oh, this is just so easy. But guess what? There's other introverts like you that are looking for the same thing. Yeah. And while you may be introverted, hell have no fury when you get into character because I've seen you all. <laughs> I know what you can do. That's what you have to focus on is the human connection because then your D&D is going to last longer and you're going to have more meaningful. It's about becoming a member in a community somewhere, letting people know what your personality is. Those folks will naturally gravitate to each other that enjoy being around each other and you'll play D&D longer. And I'm lucky I get to be on the other spectrum. I get to hand pick out people that I play D&D with. And then on the other side, I play commissioned where I still... There's a little bit of screen process there, and then I find out more about them and become get to come become more comfortable mm -hmm. and understand and how to weave with them. That's very much like the new person sitting down at my bar experience, and I love that I get to have that now. But you're going to have to experience those same things, and you just have to start. Quit being paralyzed by your own fear. Everything in life that is fun and new is going to be grating and full of anxiety. You have to find out your own way to work through it. And once you do, you'll be you'll you'll benefit from it. But it's a, it's a crucible. You will literally be forged in the uncomfortable nature of this, and you just have to. If you want it, you'll do it. If not, you'll sit back and go and watch us and enjoy the content that we put out in D and D. But you're always going to be going, man. I wish I had my own campaign. Don't do that. Watch and be inspired and have a game night on the side. That's what everybody else in my community learns, and that's where they're loving and enjoying their time with the people they're spending with. Yeah. Be one of them. It's about it's about it always comes back to doing it, doesn't it? <laughs> like just always. do the thing. Do the thing. Um I'm I am um yeah, I'm I'm so excited that that D D is gonna become sort of a more central like content creation point um for for us at rare drop what i think is what, what's been hilarious to me is like we've tried we've tried so many different styles of like oh what if we did this maybe people like that or what if people like this or what if people and it's like usually it's we think we know what's going on no idea <laughs> and then it was like i wonder if we tried D D. and it was like the second i it was like uh the second i uttered the words like we're really thinking about doing it it was like i cast a magic spell in my chat and <laughs> every I would get mad. I, I, honestly, I'll be real. I was. I would get fucking pissed. People are like, hey, uh, I know. I one time, seven months ago, I heard you say that you were thinking about doing D and D. 
Can you tell me when you when you started? How's that campaign going? I'm like, it hasn't started yet. I mean, that start date. Can you please? And I was like, oh my god, can you fucking stop? But but it's because it's because people people who play love it, and the idea of of watching like now that I've played. Anytime someone's like, hey, did you know that this celebrity that you like plays d and I'm like, where can I watch it? Like, it's crazy. And so, like, I know that people who who like what we do and are, are fans of, of me are heard that. And then it was like they got a hit of speed and the only way to, like, you know, like get high enough to feel like they can sleep it off is to watch the whole campaign. So, like, I. <laughs> I wasn't expecting all of that. I don't think we were expecting D&D to engage with people, but I, I think that you really, you helped me realize that oh, I think one of the big reasons of the success of it in general right now, culturally, is that ability to suspend reality for long enough that you can feel something, maybe if you're feeling nothing, or yeah. um, or have a have a civil kind experience in a world that feels filled with madness and rage. Um or have a or have a loving moment um, where you feel honestly connected with other people, even if you haven't been able to leave your apartment for three months. Yeah. Um, and I, 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 in listening to you talk, I've learned a lot about. Oh, that's what that emotion was. That's what that. <laughs> that's what that feeling was. It's like putting together a little puzzle in my inside my body uh, with my uh, emotions about this. But it it really is. Ultimately, I think it's something that can be incredibly therapeutic as well. Not that I'd say like do D&D instead of therapy, but it's it's hard as somebody who is like I'm, I've done I've done a lot of therapy my whole life, um, you know, and I doing all of this neuroscience interesting stuff because it's helping with some story writing things that I'm doing. But it's been it's just fascinating to me to see that the practice of imagining and suspending reality and living in the moment. These are all words that are like pinnacle experiences for people who are meditating or people who are creative or or people who are trying to take a give their brain a break. Like these are all of the same words that they use in neuroscience textbooks when they talk about giving your brain a rest or helping rejuvenate your mind. And so the Hell fact yeah. that that Dungeons and Dragons is this incredibly powerful tool for us to kind of, as you say, weave things together or like weave a dream together, um, you know, as we all imagine and it, it ends up on this board. Um, I think that uh, I think that it is it is an incredibly powerful tool for self-discovery and 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 ultimately healing in that way, which which is why all of it's the experience that you've pointed out is that the people in your group and I've seen it in chat and I, I this is the one time I really wish that that we like had some way to record chat for the audio people um, folks that Robert DMs for have have said these things in my chat as as it's been going by like um, I can't imagine my life without doing this previously you didn't even have to let me in but we had such a big experience together and I can't imagine my life without it Um. I went through hard times. I feel like half the person I am today, but because I found half the person I am today is because I found Robert in his community ranging from the dev sibling to a divorce. And it's amazing. The power of what cap does. Um, there are, there are so many just, there's so much proof 
of of the community building effect and, and the ability to find real friendship online and real connection via ideas instead of physical presence um, that uh, I, to me, <laughs> it makes me really passionate about the the like the potential future of how technologies can connect us. Um, but on like a really practical sense, uh, I think that it is incredible that this really, really old thing, right? For, for, you know, like old, like, oh, this is from before I was born. So it's old, right? This <laughs> thing hung up. On yeah, it. this thing that that was mocked and, and made fun of in this time when we are all being introspective has sort of blossomed into something everyone wants to do. Or, or there's just this, yeah. this sweeping interest. I've seen D&D's attention rise in culture as it started to show up in uh, Stranger Things was really yeah. like a watershed moment, getting Big people moment. F- familiar with the the language and the, like, the iconography of the game. And so like, and then we all get trapped inside and we run out of all of it. We've played Monopoly <laughs> and we fucking... We played Connect Four, and and we played the game of life to try and imagine, and it didn't help. So now we have to do something. And here's Dungeons and Dragons, and the dragons away. Mm. The older thing that we're doing is storytelling, which as a species we have evolved. And that is what has spread our culture far before we ever started to write things down and share them with each other. It is the OGest of OG things that we could do is tell stories and interconnect with each other and share the human experience. That's what we're doing with D&D. It's just a means to the end, which is culturally telling stories together that we naturally have within us. Everyone has a story to tell, whether you're an extrovert or an introvert or anywhere in between. That is the secret. Amen. Everybody thinks that they come for the D&D. I am. Uh, they stay for the story. I am absolutely blown away. I feel like I just went to church. <laughs> oh, good. Um, so we're, we, we, have, we have come up to the, the end of our time together. I, this has been a phenomenal conversation. Thankfully. Uh, unlike many of our other guests, I know I will speak to you frequently. Um, yeah. As as we stated before, uh, Robert is doing a lot of the DM stuff uh, for the <laughs> this this uh, these 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 bigger concepts that we're building out at Rare Drop around D and I'm sure you'll see more of those in the future, as well as a increasing cast of characters. Um, I uh, so you know that's what I have, Robert. The floor is yours. Uh, promote whoever whoever whatever you want uh you know shill whatever your latest project is this <laughs> this is your time you can find D over on my channel 24 7 because we never go down unless we have horrible things like you know fryer router like we did 48 hours ago but even then we've still found a way to keep ourselves up we do D 24 7 on my channel you can see the schedule wherever you can find me i'm at captain robert at everything so you can find me all out there in the universe. On the weekends, we do our commission games with other community members. You can learn through them and how they sit at the table for the first time and have all those jitters during the week. You can see me over on the Rare Drop channel and my own. You can find these schedules all everywhere else. But the most important thing about 
all of this in this greater platform that Ben has been so kind to bring me on. This is wow. your time to finally do the thing. You've sat, you've watched it. You've seen Ben enjoy himself where he thought he would never even enjoy. And I'll be dead honest. I thought you guys were going to play one game of Force D&D, not love it, and this thing would have gonna collapse completely because it was a charity goal at first. And I'm always scared when people are forced to do things and it doesn't come out of the real deal place. Ah. I was like, man, there is a chance, and I'll be dead honest. I was like, I hope I can get to them before <laughs> the spirit goes away. Oh man, no, that was reverse engineering. Uh, we wanted to do it and we knew we wanted to do it. So we made it a goal because we knew people wanted to watch it. So we, our passion was always there, man. That's great. Well, you, there's no way you would have known that. Uh, <laughs> no, but, that's, but from the outsider looking at when you're going, man, oh, I'm sure you, I'd be scared shitless the way you described that. Yeah. I hope they get bit by the bug. Oh, I definitely like because you're, you're looking at new opportunities from my side and as a little bit of a, a, a outsider on where content was going at the point i'm going man i hope i hope it sinks their teeth in oh man and then once i saw meat i was like yep here it is no i mean it's like i was it, and i'm like and i saw the buy-in and you that but that's what you need but remember it doesn't always go that way and remember community members it sometimes it doesn't the first isn't going to be that exciting maybe it doesn't but you'll find yeah. your table i promise you yeah, we, I mean, like, we got, we got a good, we had a good group. Um, you know, I mean, that first day was great. Even like, I know, I know Corey didn't f finish the campaign with us, but even when he like accidentally punched the head off the bartender into like a red mist because of like a bad roll, like that was, I was like, oh my God, like this shit can happen. And that's, I was like, bad shit can happen. And then like, yes. yeah. And then like Tim and Liz start like, the, like fucked and then killed somebody in the bar like together and then like people were just and then we like killed a ta an npc that was like important or they got like enraged and died in a corner or like it was so it was so fucking bad but it happened because of the flexibility to the format and that yeah. is what made me fall in love with it yes. um so you're it is it is it is that man and i'm so so from Just the be ready, everybody be ready. And I, I totally agree. And, and Robert has given so much advice about D&D because &D I would have blown smoke up at D&D's ass the whole time. <laughs> I think that's good advice. You'll find your table. Be patient. And it is an, it is a social experience. Um, you could check, so it's Captain Robert Captain, as you would usually spell it. And then R.O.B.A.R. everywhere uh, on Twitch or anywhere else. And do you have a discord vanity link that I can shout out for you as well? Oh, yeah. Discord.gg slash Captain Robert. That's Captain what Robert it is. Everything. So if you're looking for your table, that's a place that I would go look. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in today. Chat, if, if you listen to this and you thought of somebody like they might want to hear this, please share it with them. Um, that's all I ask. You can rate and subscribe too if you want, but the more important thing is that you share it with somebody that you care about. Uh, from myself and from Captain Robert, thank you very much, and we will talk to you all next time. Goodbye, everybody! Goodbye! Let's love